how many Mets fans or Yankees fans? You know what I mean? Like, which one's bigger? New York Mets or the Yankees? Like, if you're a Mets fan, it's a, you're a troll. Like, it's just a joke. <laughs> Whoa. But it, Hot. <laughs> From tip-off to buzzer beater. Kick off to Hail Mary. This is Triple Overtime. Welcome back to Triple Overtime, guys. Thank you for rocking with us through this drought. I know it's tough. It feels like the seasons have been out for over a year now, but it's only it's only been like two weeks, but it feels like a lifetime. Look, how you guys holding up, man? It's your boy Cliff. I'm here with Tony. What's good? Hey, how y'all holding up, man? How y'all holding up? Any withdrawals? Oh my God, <laughs> dude. It's brutal, man. This is brutal. I, I don't know. You know, how many times are we going to make the same joke that we're going to start watching off sports? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like we're going to be watching ESPN, the Ocho. Like it's it's brutal, brother. Yeah, it's brutal. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough. I ordered a bowling ball. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop. I'm 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 out here just like uh, lap timing my neighbors mowing their yards just to you know just to see just to make sure that they're they're you know staying consistent. See if I can get them to lean in the corners a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, man. You know, on another positive note, something else to to focus on since you know we can't actually watch you know, live sports. I mean, um, shouts all the channels and leagues, you know, putting out a lot of the old games. We get to see all the old players, but be sure to check that stuff out. It'll definitely, you know, help you get through this point in time. But uh, for triple overtime, I want to talk about, you know, who are some people that we would love to have on or potentially have on? Like who is our dream guest? Because that, that could be something we could think about later down the road, but you know, it's something to talk about right now. For sure. For sure. Um, I've, I've thought about this a little bit, but uh, I haven't put a ton of thought into it, but I always wanted somebody who uh, saw sports in a different way than I did, uh, mm-hmm. preferably through like a woman's eyes. So like I uh, really would be interested in getting like Katie Sowers on. Uh, she is the uh, coach, one of the coaches for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, the first, yeah, the first yeah. female full-time coach in the NFL. So like talk about her journey, like what it took for her to get there, like what positives she has as being the first female, but obviously like there's got to be negatives with that as well. Uh, you know, she's got to be, you know, she's in a position where she has to use her platform to inspire others just because of, of where the position that she's been put in. Mm-hmm. So having that conversation would be very interesting. You know, you, you look at all the coaches and uh, you know, influential people in the NFL and you know, her position on another team, I couldn't name a single one of them, but I can name her. So she's important to the yeah. league. She's important to the culture and uh, she's important to sports. So it's something that I would be very interested in having a conversation with her. That's a dope one though. That's a, that's a good one for me. Uh, I mean, I have a few, but I've, I narrowed it down to, to the full one for, for today. Um, Stefan Marbury, like bro, I would do anything to get to sit down with Stefan Marbury. Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely, just because of the roller, the roller coaster of his career is just like one, like it's it's unlike any other. He's the top high school player in the world. Gets to the league, actually has a great NBA career. Most people don't realize had a great NBA career. Goes down in flames in the in the league, then goes to China and rebrands. He's basically Michael Jordan of China. Like, yeah, absolutely, it's, he's it's loved in unbelievable. China. Like, like the entire like the roller coaster of the things that he's been through in the basketball world. I would love to hear his insight on that, man. Like just understanding the game from different, different cultures too, and understanding what it means to different countries. Like he's seen it all. He's done it all at a high level. I think if not mistaken, he's coaching a, a team over in China right now too. 
And so I will, yeah. oh man, I will, I, will, I will pay a lot to, to to sit and to pick his brain a little bit because I know he's full I mean, of all types of information. Yeah. yeah, and he goes all the way back. I mean, he was raised born and raised in New York, so you know he was he was born in that New York basketball culture too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, all the way back to from his childhood to now, I mean, he's got he's got stories all all along the way. Yeah. And please don't get it twisted, guys. I mean, he had a, he he fizzled out, but bro, he's a bucket. He was really. <laughs> oh yeah, he was. He had a, yeah, he had yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. ending to his NBA career, but that's not that's walking not walking bucket, walking like, bucket, like, walking elite. bucket, bro. Yes, yeah. So just to just to get the perspective of like you were talking about earlier about the game through someone else's eyes, like well, I mean, I guess it's it would be an odd choice, but man, like he's seen a lot, he's done a lot, and uh, I think he has perspective that not so many people have. Like, 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 oh, I mean, well, I, I, mean, got, like, I have like a list of like 40, but <laughs> he, I mean, for him, it's like, for him, it's, you're not talking basketball. You're talking about the culture. Like you're talking basketball culture, not just NBA, like worldwide international basketball culture. So like the context wouldn't be the same if you were talking to like Tracy McGrady, but exactly. It, but like, T-Max a legend in China too. That, oh, <laughs> well, absolutely. Like, I mean, he's got his insights that, but his insights in Stephen Marbury, Marbury's aren't going to be anywhere near each other because of the, of the, just the, the, the winding road that each of them have le- led, uh, that, you know, they crisscrossed at the NBA, but that was about it. Yeah. But man, that's, that's yeah, a good man. one. That's a good the, one. The ups and the ups and the downs. I think he'd be, whew, wow. I think he'd be a great interview. Um, so you look, um, the NFL is doing its thing. It's always trying to, um, <laughs> Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell, like he bought his cash. He ain't shutting it down. You know, they're making moves. Uh, headlines are coming out here and there, but the good part about, if we find a positive part, at least to this, you know, the shutdown of sports in a sense, um, everybody's at home, bro. Everybody's on their phones. Everybody got time. And so, uh, if you want to talk to your favorite players, like you could literally hit them up on Twitter right now. And he definitely on his phone because he's not practicing. Um, on that note, Stefan Diggs took to Twitter a couple of days ago and was just having a little Q&A with fans, you know, giving his perspective of the game, playing the receiver position in 2020 and all that. And uh, he posed the question of who's your top five receivers of all time? And I was like, that's a really good question. Because I mean, I think, I think it's going to vary depending on, of course, uh, you know, your personal experience, what area you grew up in, what you value in the position. And so I wanted to see like, like, you know, like who was, if you had to pick five receivers, any era, who's your five? No, I'm going last. But, um, okay. So I'll, I'll go while Tony gets his, gets his list together. Um, oh no, no. My list is together. I just want to hear what you had to say. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I, how I took it. Cause, um, I don't know. I, I value different things in different receivers. So obviously, absolutely. The, yeah. So the top three are always going to be Randy, Jerry, T.O., that's like they have to be in it. Like it's just it's non-negotiable. Um, yeah. For well, I'm not putting them in order yet, but I guess technically number four right now. I'm gonna go Calvin, Calvin Johnson, and like the five spot for me is really weird because there's too many receivers I appreciate. I just me being a smaller human being, I want to go with a small guy. So I'm like I and this might be hot, but like I honestly think that Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers we've ever seen. At five foot ten to do what he did for six seasons straight, like I, that's. Like I want to, I want to give a, a, an O to the little guy. So I don't think it's high, bro. His his numbers are, are bananas. All right, so I'm gonna give you two lists, and this is why I wanted to go last. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a absolute like best wide receiver, like talent wise, and then I'm gonna give you a top five of uh, best wide receivers to ever play on their team. 
So they they fit they fit the mold of their team, which made them made the team more successful. Mm-hmm. So does that make sense? Like Jerry Rice is an absolute monster, and he you know he is the number one wide receiver of all time. Nobody can dispute it. But mm-hmm. like there's other guys like a like a Terrell Owens. Yes, he was great, but we saw him be more successful on certain teams and less successful on other teams. So because he fit the scheme for like the Niners really, really well. And the Eagles, he fit well, but not great. Do you see what I'm saying? And then like on the Cowboys, he fit well, but not fantastic. You see what I'm saying? Like, like he's still an absolute monster talent wise and skill wise. But the way that they played him wasn't it's like it's like kind of like Odell Beckham Jr. in like the Cleveland. Like mm-hmm. the scheme didn't fit his talent. So one through three is the same. Rice, Moss, T.O. Yeah, just what do you do? Okay. Um, Calvin, for, for the only thing I will say about Calvin is, how do I put it? Calvin is um, a physical specimen. And then on top of that, he had the technique. Yeah. Um, but he didn't change the game because basically he was just a bigger Torello ones. That's my only thing that I will say about Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. So basically Calvin Johnson was like Terrell Owens, like the next generation, like the 2.0. Uh, had he played longer, he could be number one, number two, you know, really. I'm going to have a question on that, but I'll let you finish. Um, and number five for me is Larry Fitz. Yeah. Uh, not a, not a question, not close. Um, so that's, that's talent as in like ability. Da, da, da. But like, if we're talking like on the team, then I would say, you know, let's let's back it way up. Um, Heinz Ward, uh, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is still number one, but like Heinz Ward made the Steelers successful because he was one of the best blocking wide receivers in the game. So like he he was a blocking wide receiver, which made them extremely successful because they were a running team. So he doesn't have necessarily the cachets and like the the crazy statistics for. Uh, like in and out, in like in and out of every season, he's gonna be number one, number two receiver. But without him, they don't win. Period. So that's what I mean. So like his team fit was more important than his actual stats. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get where you're where you're going. Where you're going with that? So that's what I mean. So I, I don't think I don't think he's better than Randy Moss. I don't think he's better than Terrell Owens by any means. He is this, not a better this receiver. This entire than second list is just going to be like sleeper, like like all like random people we didn't think about. Yeah, that's well, like, that's so like Heinz Heinz Ward, Marvin Harrison, uh, Anquan Bolden on the uh, Cardinals beast because him on the other side of Larry Fitzgerald made Larry Fitzgerald number five. Mm-hmm. Like if we're being honest here. Um, Tory Holt, greatest show on turf. Yeah, Tory was a beast. I, so Bruce I mean, like, yeah. Too. So yeah. So like, like, like. I guess you could call it sleepers, but to me, it's like they weren't. They weren't the guys who were the most talented in the league in their generation, which is kind of almost what we just made. Like Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. Terrell Owens and Randy Moss were playing at the same time, but mm-hmm. like, you know, the. Jerry Rice, yes, technically he was playing when these guys were playing, but he was he was already the best ever. He was already the goat. Like it was over. Yeah, but that's what I was, you know. So, question to your point with uh, Calvin, because I mean, I know I said AB at five, but I'm a Cardinal fan. Like, obviously, Larry's records is just like his consistency is outrageous. Um, he's got more. He's got more tackles than drops in his career. Drops. Like, like, what is what is his what is his position called? 
What is the position wide called? Wide receiver. What's the second? What's the second word? Receiver. So his job is to receive. He is more tackles than drops. He is one of the best to ever catch a football. I think he's only he's as of last season. I think he's only second to Jerry Rice in catches or most games consecutive games with so many catches, something like that. something crazy, bro. Like it's his consistency. I mean, he's second. He's second in yardage all time right now. Yeah, but to to your point earlier uh, about Calvin, because you're saying he didn't didn't necessarily change the game. He just was a physical specimen that was just, and you know, um, there's a, there's a guy in Atlanta that is a, a physical specimen as well. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. and, and I'm not going to lie. Like he might be one of the best I've ever seen too. And I, I feel like, I hope at some point in his career, if not already, that some people might give him that nod, but like man, getting the top five is hard. Like just being, being even considered for that is, is amazing in itself. But, Julio would rather be six four, six five, two thirty, or whatever he is, and like, so are we? Are we? Are you putting him in the Calvin because he's just a specimen? Because to me, he to he's me he like does a, everything. Well, it's like Calvin. You can't you can't put Calvin in. So we've had this discussion before on this podcast where we talk about like, but usually we talk about the NBA this way. But it's it's uh, is it athleticism or skill? Yeah, and that's what it comes and that's what it comes down to for me with the. Uh, like you can say Randy, you can say uh, Calvin, you can say Julio, where are they athletic or are they skilled? Now, there's a reason why these guys are the best to ever do it because they're both. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like they are athletic, they are big, and they are skilled. Like it's not like we see, big, I mean, Plax, why is Plaxico Burris not in this conversation? He's a big guy. He was a physical specimen. Yeah, his technique wasn't great. And he shot himself in the leg like an idiot. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but like, oh, you know, Brandon, Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall is a physical monster. Why are we, why is he not in this list? His technique's not as good. Now he's great. He had a great career though. Absolutely. He did. Absolutely. But he just, his technique was never an elite level of technique. Like I can, you know, Brandon Marshall was a number one receiver on his team. Maybe half of his career versus like Larry Fitzgerald, like, is the number one now and he's playing 15 years, you know? And so that's what I mean, where it's, it's not like, because Larry is a physical specimen. It's because his technique is just outrageous. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's, I, I have such a hard time with that. Cause it's like, you know, you look at Calvin Johnson clips and they're absolutely incredible. But again, he's, he can, he has the physical ability to jump out the ceiling and on top of that, he's also six five. So yeah, he's jump, he's catching that ball in triple coverage because he's catching the ball at 11 and a half, 12 feet when everybody else is only getting to 10 feet or you know, 10 and a half feet. So you see what I'm saying? Where it's like, yeah, yes, he is amazing and he is an absolute stud. But for Jerry Rice to catch a ball in triple coverage or A B to to your your nod, it, you know, it's way more impressive because he's going against, he has no physical uh, advantage there. Every season, everyone's always arguing, well, well before, of course, AB decided to have a meltdown, but before seasons passed, always, who's the best receiver in football? Is it AB or is it Julio? I, I tend to lean towards neither. Antonio. Wait, currently? Yeah, neither. No, no, no. I meant like in years past, not right now. Okay. Wait, wait. So who's I was about to say? Hop. Why is Hop second? So before two years ago, who was throw, throwing to Hopkins? Okay, I, yeah, I get that argument. I do get it. Hop is okay. with anybody; it don't matter. Yeah, he's 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 out here pro a Pro Bowl wide receiver 
consistently. Doesn't matter who's throwing to him. Oh, who is the guy throwing to AB? Oh, a future Hall of Famer? Like, what are we like? You can't you can't say Big Ben is not a I mean, I'm not gonna say I mean easy. like okay, he is the like, reason for success, that. but like y'all say that, but then but then but then like we talk about Big Ben like he's Joe Montana. Like, all right, all right, like relax. Like it's Big Ben, yeah, he's good, but like But he's got a like he's, he's the GOAT. I mean, but he's he's a is he not a top five quarterback? I mean, not maybe not right now, I'm but sorry? for his career, for his <laughs> career in the span, for the span of his career, at some for point the span, time, yeah, definitely at some point in time, yes, he's yeah. been. I mean, for multiple close. seasons, he's been close. I'm not. I don't mean I'm not bashing AB right now. I'm just saying like Hop is doing it with a guy who washes cars for a living, throwing him the ball, like, and doing it almost the same level as AB. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, Watson is who that would, that it was a godsend to hop. And now Kyler is going to be a godsend, but you know, but before those two guys, like who, like honestly, like I can't, Brian Hoyer, like, is that who was throwing? Like, who cares? Like, and he was still out here just, but I'm just saying like, he was out here dominating people and we all know the quarterback is going to change everything. I mean, it's hard to be a good wide receiver if the quarterback's throwing the ball, you know, three feet over your head or to your left or right. And hop's going to make that catch. That's the difference for me. That's the difference. And I I respect, I respect that perspective. I do. I understand that a lot. I get that. I just, uh, I know, well, in order to like, kind of like, you know, back up my AB point a little bit. The only reason that I I look at AB in such high regard is because to me growing up, like every receiver that I pictured as being dominant was always bigger guys. And then once I seen a five foot 10 guy, I heard like setting records then I feel like I started seeing more of them, seeing like more smaller guys with the crazy footwork that just get open. And so I just feel like he's kind of like, in a sense, like now, like how many number one receivers are under six foot? Like it's, it's a lot of them seemingly. And they're route runners. It's, they're not physical specimens. They're, yeah. they're route runners. And so I, I just, I, it's just my ode to him for, for me being, for him being the first person I seen do it at a high level for a very long time. That's all. It, that's all it is, and that's no disrespect to D Hop because De- DeAndre Hopkins is something else. Like he's something to behold, as well as Julio. Because to me, Julio can run routes just as good as the small guys, which is crazy for how big he is. It's funny to me because like that point that you just made just tells it. It shows our listeners and shows me your age. Because yeah. well, I mean, like, and I know I don't mean that disrespectfully whatsoever. I just no, but like there's so another, like, ahead, there's another for, guy who Marvin Reggie. Nah, Steve Smith. Gonna, Steve Smith was Steve a dog. Smith. Like I, I, yeah. I watched Steve Smith, but I didn't. I didn't get the same thing watching Steve Smith that I get watching AB. Five foot nine and dominated. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying a little guy, a little guy who can was consistent. Yeah, but I mean, you put him on AB level. I mean, not as far as, but you just said he's the first guy, the little guy that you've ever seen like dominate a game, and I'm like, yeah, Steve. Well, Smith's I mean, Steve Smith. Steve Smith was a monster, <laughs> but like he was like Hall of Fame dominating. Oh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Are you kidding me? No, he, no, no, no. I'm not saying he isn't, but like, are you like you watch the tape on both of them and you get the same feeling? To me, consist what like we're talking about consistency. Yes, there's not a point where they would say he was number one in a specific season, but mm-hmm. I think that you would say he was top five for five or six seasons straight. Like he's one of those guys that you just don't want to play. Not necessarily because of what he I guess he fits kind of in that that like that that second that second list I gave you guys like that Heinz Ward, yeah. Marvin Harrison like he just is he's the guy like he's just the guy he's just like you said he's a dog dude like he he yeah. throws like he's gonna go and block a safety 
that has 30, 40 pounds on him. He's going to, and he's going to pancake him period. That's a good point. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, I, I just, I guess I didn't look at Steve in that, in that light. I don't, I don't know why. And I mean, I know he was, a, he had a great career. He's amazing. Um, I don't know. Nothing, I, I mean, no, no, no. The only thing Steve Smith did really good was he wanted it more than everybody else. Yeah. Like there's nothing about him that like he that explodes off the paper other than he was just his heart. Mm-hmm. Like he, like you said, he's a dog. Like he just wants it more than everybody else. And he's going to yeah. show you. Yo, it's so funny you said this. So on uh, this past couple of days, we've seen the drama of all the quarterbacks getting signed, people getting released. So the biggest story has been Cam Newton and the, the I guess you could call it the social media travesty that Cam is having with the 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 Panthers um, team, their social media team, and and all the they're they're lying. They, he's claiming that they're lying on him. They're saying this. They're saying that. Like, how do you feel about this breakup that we're watching happen in live time? I mean. No, like I think I think it goes back a little bit like how we were talking last week about narrative and uh you know the, we talked about the media spinning the narrative and now you know which the media is already spinning the narrative against Cam anyways um I mean we can I mean who how many times do we see uh articles about just the way he dresses in press conference like yeah. they they want to make him look bad but the uh you know so the media is already spinning him a little bit one direction and now his old club, like his own like organization is spinning in a direction. And so uh, I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan. Uh, pretty much everybody that Tiago is a fan of, I try to avoid wholeheartedly. Um, Oof, understandable. <laughs> but, but, you know, when it comes down to it, this is one of the first times that I've truly wanted to see him succeed just because I feel like he really got the short end of the straw on this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Um, I'm with you. I hope. I, mean, I know this isn't the end for Cam because I think there's some teams out there that should be looking at him seriously. Cam Cam is in this. In, he's in an odd spot. Um, he's a great physical specimen, um, which I think could help him become as he gets older and he ages, become an even better quarterback as he focuses on his accuracy and, and actually healing up. Um, but the thing is, just like it's always gonna be that question of his of his longevity his durability can he can he be on the field and the only way he's gonna be able to prove that wrong is by actually being on the field and so it's kind of surprising because the quarterbacks there's a lot of quarterbacks on some teams that pretty sure cam newton is better than (laughs) and i'm not saying he's the goat or he's the best quarterback in the league i mean this is a former mvp uh he obviously knows the game very well will he get back to that mvp level i don't know because that mvp year he took a lot it was a beating and I don't think he his body's prepared to go through that again. But can he play quarterback at a high level? Yes. Can he play quarterback better than Tyrod Taylor? Yes. Like I'm just I just think there's some things that we've let the media just get out of control on. Just like spinning like stupid little stories that just like it doesn't even matter, bro. Like, okay, yeah, we hate the way that he types on Instagram. All right, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. Do I do I like reading it? No, it, it's 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 really annoying. But does that make him a bad guy? No. It's just I mean, you, you, you know, this is good. I think Cam is the type of guy that's going to add fuel to the fire. I'm sure he'll get a shot. Um, do you follow him on social media at all? Yeah, I do. Okay. Have you seen, like, okay, so since all of this stuff has happened with the Panthers, like, he has been ultra active uh, on social media as far as, like, his workout, his, like, mm-hmm. regiment, like, and like every post is like, I will outwork everybody until yeah. like 
I get the respect that I deserve type thing. He's got a great YouTube channel like, too. Shout out to his YouTube channel. It's really and good. And it's just like, man, like you can see that he literally took this to heart. Like he just, it broke his heart to leave the Panthers and then to have it be spun against him like that. Like you can tell that he's just like, you know what? Like I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to go to uh, not, not the, the NFC South right now is absolutely stacked at quarterback, but I would, I would be very happy if somebody could, could sign him just because I'd really want to see him play against Panthers twice a year. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, of course, there is, you know, some other leagues that are down. Uh, unfortunately, we're, what is this, March? We're getting close to April. This would be the time we're getting ready for those playoff pushes, those those games that really matter in the NBA. And uh, it really sucks that we can't watch them. It really does. But... Something really big happened in the NBA and it has nothing to do with players in general or shots going up or teams winning games, nothing of that sort. But an owner out in LA named Steve Ballmer deserves one of the biggest round of applauses ever. Steve Ballmer is literally saving the Los Angeles Clippers. He is saving them one day at a time. And it, like what the work that he's done is he he needs to be commended for what he's doing right now. Agreed. So if you didn't see the news, Steve Ballmer purchased the Forum, which is where the Showtime Lakers used to play. Inglewood. In Inglewood, California. And that will now become the new home for the Los Angeles Clippers. So they will no longer be sharing the Staples Center with the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't have to cover up them jerseys. And they don't have to cover get, up them jerseys. They don't have to get, flip the yeah. floor paint and all that stuff, the floor stickers, whatever it is. It like That is so crucial to the Clippers becoming their own franchise. Like it's they've been the, the little brother for so long. Even more than more so than the the Nets and the Knicks rivalry. Like it's so tough for the Clippers fans because they literally like you like we gotta share a room. Like you're literally my little brother. And like, <laughs> no, I'm serious, but this is how like it's a joke to them. They're like, you're a Clipper fan. Like, really, bro? Really? Are you just trying to be like against the grain? It was like now they can actually finally build their actual fan base. They can have people who want to represent the Clippers in the Clippers home. Like Steve Ballmer, shout out to you. Like he and he paid four hundred million in cash. Sidebar, what does that even look like? How do you transport <laughs> four hundred million in cash? I like I would love to see a, like a picture of that. What like what did he do? Man. That's when you're just you ain't counting money, you're weighing it. You're weighing it, exactly. Exactly. Cash, no, in cash in, in bills. Cash. Green, bro. Yeah, that's that's a flex. He was like, no, no, no. Oh, he he saw it on. See, the thing is, <laughs> I was telling somebody this the other day. I was like, he saw it on Craigslist for six hundred million and walked up and was like, I got four hundred mil cash, cash right right now. now. Take it or leave it. <laughs> and they were like, well, I don't know if and he kicked. He like kicked one of the like parking stops and was like, look at this man, it's chipping four hundred mil right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for the Clippers fans, you could say that it is is it is bigger than basketball. No, I think I think they need to rebrand. Uh, the Knicks are still number one in New York, uh, and the net the Nets are are definitely gaining traction. Like I, it's almost like it's almost like fifty one percent, forty nine percent right now. It's real close. Uh, but let's look where the Knicks are, and let's look at where the Nets are, and the gap between the two. And they're still like you see, what I'm saying like mm-hmm. the Knicks are garbage. They are garbage, one hundred percent garbage. The Nets are extremely exciting right now, like. If the playoffs started today, which they might, um, they're in the playoffs without their two max players on the floor most of the season. That's an extremely exciting vision for the next few years, like you said. 
but they're still not the Knicks. And so when you look at LA, like, yes, LA's, you know, both LA's are in a position to win for the next few years. Like, I feel like they're going to knock each other out of the playoffs. You know, it's going to like, one's going to win one year what the other one's going to win the next year. Like big brother, little brother, once they both grow up. However, because they're both contenders every single year, the late, like the Clippers are never going to catch up to the Lakers in cachet. Like, because they're both right there. Like, the Nets are so much better than the Knicks and they're barely catching up. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I just, I feel like they need to rebrand, man. Like the Nets, uh, as soon as they, be, they stopped being the New Jersey Nets and became the Brooklyn Nets, I felt like they turned a corner. From that point, they really started gaining traction and not necessarily like, obviously Brooklyn is a part of New York, but like, like they, they gripped that, that identity. Like they never like, Oh, we're the New Jersey Nets. Like nobody, like the only Nets jersey I think of. I mean, like the Jason Kidd era was the only like relevant era for that team. Like the Brooklyn Nets. Like I mean, their jerseys are dope. Like their culture is dope. Like everything about them. Like their 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 alternate jerseys. Like their city jerseys are amazing. Like the, I mean, like like the whole thing. Like they're 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 all in on the brand right now. Like they don't even need to be winning basketball games. They have really cool streetwear, and I know that sounds so crazy, but what's the NBA is as much about the culture as about anything else. Mm. So, if I can rock a jersey and it looks dope, like it looks fresh, like I'm gonna rock that jersey, whether it's necessarily my team or not, is irrelevant. That's what I'm saying. So, like they bought into the culture, so it's like we're gonna sell jerseys just based on the look. And some of that's because it has Brooklyn across the chest too. You know what I'm saying? Not just because of the way it looks, but also Brooklyn is a lot more beloved than Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I feel on, like the Clippers need something scale, like yes. that. Yes. I'm you know a Jersey saying? boy, like, so I'm whatever with Brooklyn. But, um, <laughs> and you're, and you're like, just, just hating all this right now. You're like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Brooklyn. I get it. I get it. It's a, it's a money move. So I understand that, but I do like, but I, to your point, you're right. But I mean, when I, when I think like that's what the Clippers need, like you're okay. I get that you're the Los Angeles Clippers and I understand that you're sharing that market because it's such a big market, but they're not the New York Nets. You know, they're not like you can go to baseball, which I know none of us are baseball fans, but like how many Mets fans are Yankees fans? You know what I mean? Like which one's bigger, New York Mets or the Yankees? Like if you're a Mets fan, it's like you're a troll. Like it's just a joke. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa! But it, hot. <laughs> no, I, I know. I don't mean. I don't mean any disrespect. But it's just like that city is run by the Yankees. That's that's just what it is. L.A. is run by the Lakers. Mm-hmm. There's no disrespect there. Um, I don't think. I don't. Anaheim think Clippers. That, the Anaheim Clippers, bro. The I don't Anaheim think Clippers. the Clip, The Clippers have already. They've already began their rebranding. I don't think they have to do anything else. As far as. Jersey wise or, or, or team name wise or changing cities. I don't think they have to do any of that. Cause I think what the Clippers and the Nets are doing, which is they're both on the same path right now is that they understand that we will never be more well known than the Knicks. We will never be more well known to the Lakers, to the people who are alive living in this moment right now, to the adults, to the millennials, to the generation Z guys who grew up looking at those, those, those brands, those teams, there is absolutely no point in us trying to win them. Our, what we need to do is put out a good product and win so that when those kids that are growing up that are watching the NBA now and they see the Clippers winning, 
they don't think about the Clippers that I seen growing up that were garbage. That I was like, why would I ever want to watch a Clippers game? They won't see that team. So they'll they'll be a Clippers fan and they'll be confident and proud to be a Clippers fan because they're seeing a good product. It's the same thing with the Nets. They're not going to see like, oh, the New Jersey team. And they're going to see the team that's actually winning games. They're going to, because they want to identify with a winner. And so you, your product, your product is what's going to win you in the future. You don't, you don't become a bigger brand than the Celtics. You don't become a bigger brand than the Yankees. You do what you have to do to win those fan bases of the people who are going to rock with you anyways. So that's, that's my perspective on it. I'm like, there, there, why would I try? I can't be, we can't catch up to the Lakers. We can't do that, but we can be the Clippers. Just like, just like Tony said with the, with the brand, like it's, it's more than just them winning for the Knicks. They are the staple of the, the obviously the hottest city and probably the world. This is New York city. Their team is the Knicks. Yeah. New York is known worldwide. Like it, it doesn't matter if they win or lose because what, what, the what, market. what team would Jay-Z be rapping about when he was first coming up? It would be the Knicks. What team would Biggie be shouting? It, it's the Knicks because they're in New York city. They don't care where you live at. You know about New York city and who is their team? It's the New York Knicks. Don't try to, you can't beat that brand. Pause. I, I, I agree and I don't agree. So I agree to the sports fan that the Nets could overtake the Knicks. Sure. To a sports fan. But in pop culture, never. absolutely not. No, it's not a chance. Not going to happen. It's not a chance. It's never going to happen. But when it comes down to it, you talk about winning. Why are there so many Golden State fans? When's the last time you've seen a Golden State jersey? Two years ago? A year ago? Probably sooner. I don't remember. Soon. Not too long ago. I mean, yes, but like, are they as many as you saw when they signed KD? Like, I remember seeing Steph Curry. I, I saw Steph Curry jerseys at, you know, at the store every time I went. Mm-hmm. But well, my point is, is that those are called bandwagon fans. New York, the you know, the Nets and the Clippers, they don't care if you're a bandwagon fan because the bandwagon fan right now really, really likes the Lakers. So they don't care if you're a bandwagon fan. They don't want you. They want the people that are going to stay there. They want the people who are going to stay in the seats when they lose. And they understand that they're building a brand and it, that, you know, it takes them to, they're going to, like you said, winning is going to fill the seats and it's going to, you know, it's going to bring the love uh, all around. But once they stop winning, how many people are going to stay? Exactly. The Knicks have a history sold out. Like they're, they're still selling out, man. Like, well, you just got to think like the Knicks brand and the Yankees branding and the Lakers branding has been pounded into our heads for the last 70 years. Like, yeah. what do you expect yeah. people to love? They're going to, those are like, if you don't watch sports, everyone knows who the Yankees, who the Lakers, who the Knicks are. Because, because they won. Because they won. So guess who's going to be the new old heads? Guess who's going to be the new old heads? The kids that are growing up now. That's what they're focused on. Us. Yeah, we're, us. <laughs> we're the old heads. We're the old heads, guys. <laughs> I don't know, man. I love it. I love it. All the energy. Give it. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Well, look, guys, thanks for tuning in to the episode. Um, hopefully you're coming here to get your sports fix. Uh, at least we get a little chance to get some some sports thoughts off our chest because, man, like we don't get to see anything right now. So thanks for rocking with us through the drought. Uh, please, please wash your hands. Be safe. Try to practice your social distancing. Uh, you know, just be mindful of, uh, you know, everything that's going on out here. And hopefully we can get this resolved very soon because man we need it badly but uh again thank you guys for listening uh check us out every week the social media hop on the twitter the instagram um we'll be doing some giveaways hopefully soon once everything gets back up and running um but um this instagram is at 3ot podcast the twitter account is the same uh hop on there come argue with us 
uh, show some love, show some hate, whatever you got. We're ready for all, <laughs> for all action. We're here for it. But uh, thanks guys for checking it out. We'll see you guys next week.